Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Let's have a look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, 1 to 4. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. He was a priest and a judge, Eli was, and Samuel was only young. In those days, let's pay attention, in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. Now, just um, for full disclosure, the initial here I am was to Eli. He actually was learning as a young person to discern and recognise the voice of God and it goes on and he responds to the Lord. Luke 11, let's have a look in the New Testament. Luke 11, 34 to 36 says, Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when they're unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. What it's saying is see to it that what you're looking at and how you're looking isn't filling your body with the wrong kind of light. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. Do you know we're made to see fully and completely in the light of Christ? You are actually made to see well, to be so full of the light of Jesus Christ. I find the the Bible fascinating in its scientific observations um, in a rudimentary way, uh, pre-scientific method. You know, the way that the eye sees is that light floods into the cornea and three quarters of your focus actually comes simply by the act of light flooding in through the cornea and then the lens brings it into focus. Now, I hope there's no ophthalmologist in the room. You're like, that is a very simple version of the power of light in seeing. And Paul gave me the thumbs up. I'm okay, Dr. Paul. <laughs> Thank you. Um, your light is the key factor to you seeing properly. Um, I am reading a wonderful book, many wouldn't say so, perhaps a little boring, called Woman in the Polar Night by Christiane Ritter. And it's about a woman who went with her hunter-trapper husband to the northern parts, the polar regions, and spent in the 1930s, so that may even shine a new light on it, uh, in a very rudimentary time with basic equipment, she spent a winter in the polar night. And she makes the observation in this memoir that without light their whole perception changed. They would see things and they'd look deceptive, mountain ridges or snowdrifts or animals, and there would be a deception to the way they viewed life. But not only that, 
There'd be a complete lack of nutrients and vitamins in their body. In fact, there was graveyards uh, when she went to explorers and hunter-trappers that just didn't get enough vitamins in the darker months and they died of scurvy. I like to threaten my children that it is a thing. One of my kids loves vegetables, there's no problem. The other, I'm not going to say who, hates them. Like They're like, one eats meat, he's a carnivore, he's on the lion diet. Uh, the other is a vegetarian, <laughs> but they're both looking healthy, but I threaten the non-veg one. You are going to die of scurvy. It's probably very extreme. It's probably a form of, I'm not even going to, I need to stop, probably. You're all giving me the judgy eyes. <laughs> I had my own woman in the polar night at my house not long ago. I, I said to my husband, um, it just dawned on me one day, have you noticed that our house is getting very dark. We've got white, you know, grey, light grey walls, white sort of furnishings and so it's quite a light house generally. But I'm like, Andrew, it's looking very dark in here. And we discovered, so we've got LED lights. I don't love uh, LED lights, but it seems to be the thing and it, it's certainly cheaper and it's environmental, but they don't blow instantly like a normal traditional light bulb does. They just slowly dim. So you, like the proverbial frog in the saucepan, find yourself in the dark of a polar night without even realising it and you think it's the loss of sight, but actually it's your lights that have dimmed and dimmed and dimmed. You know, God wants His people living and seeing through the light of Christ. And in this dense, densely packed little four-verse episode in the Old Testament. We hold that in its proper context. We are now in the new covenant. We are now in the light of Christ and His hope and His grace and His freedom. And we see through the light of Christ. But in this dense little this thing, there is an obsession with light and sight. There is a total obsession here with the symbolism and the reality of the power of light and sight. The context happens in a place called Shiloh, outside of Jerusalem. It's pre-Solomon's temple. And so Eli is a judge and a priest of the tabernacle, the movable tent, the portable presence of God for the people of God. Um, and he is overseeing that Place And that is where it happens. Um, and he's attending, but light and sight are sadly missing. And the passage makes it very clear to us in verse 1, the word of the Lord was rare. Now, lest you find yourself going, poor them, they don't have what we have. Well, that's partially true. But the truth is, you won't see if you don't seek. And they weren't seeking, so they weren't seeing. So it wasn't a God speaking issue or a God showing visions issue. It was a seeking issue that was squarely on the ba on, based on the people. If you don't seek, you won't see. It's amazing how when you begin seeking, how much you begin seeing. Because God is always speaking. God has got things to say to you about what's going on at the moment in our world, in our nation, in your family. But if you're not seeking, it can feel like visions are rare and words from God are non-existent. But it seemed like God was seeking. No seeking God's light and therefore no sight. No light because they weren't seeking. No sight from God. But then it goes on to say... Eli had weak eyes. Now, of course, there is an ageing issue. 
I too have been through what it's like to fall off a cliff at 40 and not be able to read my kids' chapter books with them without my reading glasses every night. Now, for a while there, I was naive and I had to go anyway, uh, but it became evident every single night when I'm yelling out to Andrew, Andrew, can you grab my glasses from beside my bed? I need to read to Ollie, <laughs> that I actually had an ageing issue with my eyes, dare I say. I, I have heard you can retrain them, maybe I ought to do that. But the truth is, it wasn't just Eli's physical vision that was waning. Eli had a sight problem. Eli had a light and sight problem. It wasn't just the natural ageing process. He was losing his sight in multiple ways. You know, in contrast, it says of Moses in Deuteronomy 34.7, Moses was 120 years old when he died. I just claim that for all of you right now. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. It wasn't just about his physical sight and his strength. It was about his spiritual vision and his ability to see and hear God and know the times that he was living in. You know, one of the fruits and the outworkings, maybe this one of the many symptoms, it's hard to know what's cause and what's effect. But the truth is, Eli's sons were off the rails. The home was in neglect. Now, lest parents feel condemned here, God is not asking for perfection. God is not asking for white picket fences and fake. That doesn't, that is not the kingdom of God. But He asks that the home is not neglected. And I'll get into that a little later. But the truth is, Eli's house was out of order. His sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were meant to be the successors, the one that carried the light and sight of God to the next generation, were actually greedy, lecherous, adulterous, promiscuous and daft people, ignorant to God. They stopped seeking a long time ago. They were numb and asleep to His purposes, dead and not awake to what God was doing on the earth and how He wanted to use them in the nation. What burned so bright in one generation was lost in the next because the home was neglected and it affected the nation. I'll come back to that. It then goes on to say, the lamp hadn't yet gone out, verse 3. The lamp hadn't yet gone out. And it's interesting because, yes, it refers to the time of the night that the next event happens. So I love how the Bible gives us hints to show us when things happened. The light hadn't yet gone out. It burned through the night and it was maybe late in the night coming into the morning. But also there is a sense of... Israel's spiritual state at the time was very low. There was very low oil in the lamp. The sense of God's presence, the sense of seeking, the sense of Yahweh worship exclusively, the sense of passion for God wasn't there. The lamp was nearly out. But another way of seeing it is the lamp wasn't out yet. There was still hope. There was still hope. And maybe for you, you feel in a situation of your life, the lamp is not yet out, but it's close. And I would say to you, God wants to breathe on that lamp, fill your lamp with oil in that area, give you a fresh anointing in prayer, in pursuit, in devotion, in your work, in the raising of your family, because the lamp is not yet out. And in that, the lamp has not gone out. Samuel is sleeping in the presence of God. And I want to make the point here. We've just had three verses about a complete lack of spiritual sight. They are not awake to the purposes of God. There is no light and sight. And yet this little episode happens where Samuel, who's been positioned 
actually by his mother again. Mothers, parents, they have a big role to play in the lives of the next generation and the impact on the nation, I'd just like to say. He is positioned in the presence of God, not by the priest. The priest does mentor him and teach him to hear the voice of God, but it's the mother who consecrates Samuel, Hannah, consecrates him and puts him into the presence of God. And the passage wants to make that very clear to you because it references the ark. He's sleeping within vicinity in the temple of the ark. He's sleeping in the presence of God. He's dwelling day by day in the presence of God. You know, parents, we need to position our children. Friends, you need to encourage your friends. Partners, you need to be constantly exhorting your marital partner to be in the presence of God. There may not be light and sight in the nation. There may not be light and sight in the world, but we can be the people of light and sight and be positioned in the presence of God, positioned to respond to the presence of God. Well, what's God's answer at a time where there is no light and sight in the children of God? What is God's answer to wipe them out? To rebuke him, yes, some of the rebuke for sure. But the answer is actually to raise a son, to raise a man, to raise a believer, a daughter, a woman of God, to raise a Samuel who is sensitive to the light and sight of God. You know, the answer to world events that we are living through right now is not the 24-hour news cycle. It is not petitions. It is not taking sides. It's actually not even, and I probably shouldn't say, it's not referendums and policy even, although they can be instruments of God's purposes. I really believe that. Actually, the answer to complexity in the world is found in those that are intimate with Jesus Christ and will allow the light of God to come into their eyes so that they can see what God's purposes are, that they would look to the Lord and seek His face only. Not to become carnal, weakened, distracted, not to be caught up in the enemy's plan to weigh you down with what's happening, to get into some sort of loop, but actually to have the light and sight of the Lord coming through your life. So you are not disabled from making a difference. So that you are not disabled from seeing the light of Christ and perceiving what He's asking of you in this hour. God has illumination for you. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? God, I'm not going to be intimidated by what I see. I'm not going to be passive. I'm not going to ignore, but God, I want to see with the light of your salvation and respond with what you're saying. I want my eyes, my corneas to be filled with the light of Christ so that I focus right, to see right, because my body won't be full of light. I'll be full of anxiety, full of depression, full of fatigue because I'm carrying the weight of the world if I don't see the light of Christ and have that adjust my lens and know how to respond to what I'm seeing. I want to speak to a couple of 
uh, things this morning. And it's not a well-crafted message of three points. It's a couple of thoughts that I've just sensed this year. And Rachel Johnson, who's incredibly eloquent, is smiling at me. Um, But it's just a couple of thoughts that I've felt in my heart that God would say to the people of God at this time. And the first is, we need light and sight in the home. You know, this year... I've had a, felt a fresh emphasis in the Holy Spirit about the power of home. You know, and that can seem so small. You know, this story emphasises national crisis. They're in a time of a national crisis. But it's actually a very domestic scene that is addressing national crisis. It's actually a very domestic scene that is dealing with something that will affect the salvation of the world. And the truth is that there is an impact on the nation and the nations when the home is neglected. You know, when impact happens in the home, um, one of the deceptions that can happen to us, I believe, as the people of God, we can be aspirational. God, use me for your purposes in my generation. God, I want to win a nation. God, I deeply desire and You know, that is the cry of my heart. Isaiah 6, from a young age, here I am, Lord, send me. But Isaiah was sent home to his own people. You know, this story, um, and when I speak of family, I want you to read your situation into it. You may be raising children like Andrew Andrew and I are at the moment, and that is home. Maybe you're a single person and your stillness before God and the way you use your home to bless others, the way that the presence of God emanates your home is equally as valid. Focusing on where God has given you a sphere of influence. You know, this story is a contrast of two families. Eli had it all. National significance, the anointing, called by God to be a voice to a generation, called to be a judge and a priest to the nation of God. And he threw it all away because he neglected his sons. The anointing and the call of God was neglected in the home and it affected the nation. The nation's light and sight was affected by the domestic affairs of Eli and his sons. And it's a tragedy But in contrast, Samuel's home, his mother Hannah sought the Lord. The very reason Samuel was born was that Hannah cried out to the Lord and said, open my barren womb and God, whatever you give me is all yours. I consecrate him to you. And she makes good on her promise. She consecrates the son to the Lord. And every year she clothes him with a new robe every single year. And it's a practical uh, demonstration of a spiritual reality. I'm going to clothe you in righteousness. I'm going to clothe you in the knowledge of God. I'm going to clothe you with light and sight from the Lord. It says in Proverbs 31, 21, and I believe Hannah's an embodiment, when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet, scarlet being the redemption of Jesus Christ. 
There is some people here today that God is saying, would you clothe your family in salvation? Would you clothe the space of your home single person with His presence? And would you get some light and sight that that will impact the next generation and the generations to come? It will impact nations. It looks small. You know, Hannah opted for the not common. She gave up the common for the uncommon. You know, it was uncommon for a mother to send your child to the temple to serve the Lord. The common thing would have been, you've given me this child, I've got the right to nurse him and love him and watch him get to 12 and then 18 and say, he did it my way and I raised him and it's amazing. And yet she chose an uncommon path because she wanted to clothe him in salvation and watch him be an instrument in God's hands and change national affairs. Hannah's devotion brings light and sight to the nation of Israel because Samuel goes on to anoint King David and whatnot. The work of Samuel and out of David issues Jesus, of course. Her domestic affairs, her consecration in the home brought light and sight. We are beneficiaries of her decision to seek light and sight in the home. I believe that God is calling families and individuals and extended families. I thank God for the grandparents. Thank God for the adopted aunties and uncles that get a clue and they become family in the city to to families that don't have extended family. Thank God for the friends that make family, a family setting for their single friends. Thank God for the couples that go, it's not just us, Our reach has to extend. Our ready-made community, the blessing God has given us, has to be light and sight to a lonely generation. Malachi 2.15, this is how serious God takes family and its impact and the home and its impact, our own personal consecration, our quiet time, our dwelling in His presence in the home, clothing our children and our families with salvation. In Malachi 2.15, God's so um, angry about the breakdown of the family and the impact on the home. And it's not a judgment about people. It's God's heart's broken on the impact that it has for the generations. And if you've gone through that, the heart of God is toward you. And there's so many examples of single parents that made a difference and brought light and sight to a generation because they stood up and said, it ain't white picket fences, it ain't perfect, but I'll tell you what, I've got the Lord as my husband. I've got the Lord who will be my wife. I've got a partner in the Lord and with us, the children will grow up, there'll be godly generations. Um, But Malachi 2 says, why does the Lord want to keep the home together? Why does God want consecrated homes full of light and sight? Because the generations, because the impact on the nations, because there is so much more beyond you. It is not just about your white picket fence, and we don't have one. We probably need a bit of work there. (laughs) It's actually about generations. God wants to revive the light and sight of His presence in families. And secondly, if I could have the keys up. God wants to give us light and sight for the times. God wants to give us light and sight for the times. You know, Samuel hears God's voice in a time of national crisis. He hears God's voice as a very young child, probably they say about 12 years old. 
And he actually becomes the answer in hearing God's voice. And he brings a national judgment at 12 years old to the priest Eli and his sons. It is scary, scary gear. But in it, I see a contrast because Samuel's spiritual senses are awakened to light and sight. He is awake to God. But Hophni and Phinehas are feeding their natural senses. They're eating the sacrifice because it tastes good. They don't want to do it God's way because they, they want roast meat. Their taste buds, their natural senses are being fed. They want to mess around with women, not do it God's way because they want to feed the natural senses. Samuel's spiritual senses are awoken though. There's the contrast. At 12 years old, he had more spiritual sense than those older boys that were the natural biological sons of a priest who were just feeding their natural senses. Do you know at a time like this, we might not be eating roasted meat sacrifices and being immoral, but we can feed our natural senses with what is going on. We can see through our natural eye. We can hear with our natural ear. We can take sides with our natural sensibilities. We can take on a sense of justice with our natural and carnal senses. But God is calling us to be Samuels and to give us light and sight for the times that don't rely on natural senses. Now, I'm not saying no common sense, very commonsensical person, very practical in some ways, but God is wanting from His people a heightened sense of light and sight in your spiritual senses right now. He wants a people that are awake to His purposes, not letting their emotions and their sensibilities and their opinions and their whatever news media they are addicted to on the 24-hour news feed. Not to be, that should not be your compass. Your Spirit-led, you should be Spirit-led and that should be your compass. You know, it says that, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not about our natural sight and hearing, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. What if God awoken you at five and said, I just need you to pray for one individual. I'm gonna give you a vision of it. Maybe there is a healing miracle on the other side of the world that you will never see that God wants to awaken you to. Maybe someone needs to know the light of Christ today in a war-torn region and you're so busy, hung up on a new cycle that is agendered and steering your affections and sentiments in a certain way that you're missing the light and sight of Christ that would actually make a real and perceptible difference. Samuel is sensitive to His voice, sensitive to the specific instruction. God was specific with Moses. You might have struck it before, but I want you to speak to it now. And how many of us are so into striking things, so into the, you know what? When everything's a nail, when when you've got a hammer, everything is a nail, my husband often says to me. I won't even tell you the context. (laughs) Sometimes you've got to speak to it in prayer. Sometimes God says, peace, be still, speak to it. Don't hit it. Don't lash out in anger. Don't get agendered about it. Speak to it. Speak to it and see the situation changed. What is the light inside He wants to give to you? 
about your part of His kingdom that He wants to give you a Spirit-led authority to bring change. Don't get caught up in other people's arguments. It's not a time to get caught up in civilian affairs. It's a time to be Spirit-led. Holy Spirit prompts, how many Holy Spirit prompts? I, I just believe the death of Eli's house, which is so tragic, was death by a thousand cuts. So many promptings of God, so many junctures where they did not listen to the promptings of the Spirit. Do you know even in bad situations, if you will stop, pause, sila, and allow God to bring order, light and sight to you, even in bad situations, He'll use it for your good. David says to Samuel twenty two twenty nine, You, Lord, are my lamp, The Lord turns my darkness into light. You know, even in the darkest times, if we'll stop and be Spirit-led, if we'll allow Him to bring His light and sight, the light and sight of the Spirit, even then He'll turn bad situations to good. Why don't we stand to our feet, church? We're about to draw our service to a close and I actually wanna pray for a group of people before we do couple of groups of people actually, two groups of people. Worship team, if you could come up. If today you need the light of Christ on a particular area, you need His wisdom, you need His light, you need His clarity. Maybe for you today, the Holy Spirit, not through necessarily anything I've said, but the Holy Spirit is prompting you, hey, get out of the flesh, get back into the Spirit. Get out of the loop that you're in. I wanna break the loop today. I wanna break the loop today. I wanna break the depressive loop and get you back into being Spirit-led in your prayer life. Maybe for you, there is an area of dark. It feels like the lamp is very dim at the moment. Maybe it's an area of work. Maybe it's an area of discouragement. Maybe single person, it's been a long time believing for that partner and you're contemplating some very carnal options. And I don't mean immorality, but you're, you're going for a choice that God is like, would you come to me for my light and sight on your life? I have got generations hanging in the balance on this choice. Maybe for you, it's an employment situation. Whatever it is, if you have a need this morning for the light and sight of Christ, would you lift your hands to Him right now all over this place? God, we just thank You. We thank You. We thank You. We thank You. We thank You for Your light. In You, we have, we see Your light and that light is the light of life. And Lord, we just thank You for Your light, God, illuminating every situation. I speak to every situation that needs the illumination of the Holy Holy Spirit that needs the light of Christ right now, God, for those that are in a loop. The best way I can describe it is I just see people in a loop, cycling around, cycling around. You can't get out of it. Why don't you lift your hands right now to the Lord and receive. God, I break the loop in Jesus' Name. I break it now in Jesus' Name. I break that loop right now. Let the light of Christ come in and bring life and bring life. And I see forward movement coming to some. You're stuck. It's like your feet are stuck, that game, stuck in the mud, stuck in the mud. And God is saying, I wanna loose that. I wanna lift you out of the miry clay, it says, and place your feet upon a rock 
so that You can sing a new song to Your God. Lord, I just thank You, God, for those that feel stuck in the mud, pull them out and put them on a rock, the rock of Jesus Christ. Let there be forward movement. Let there be forward movement, God. Let there be forward movement. Lord, over the events of our world right now, I pray that we would be people of light and life, even in our own nation, God. Help us not see the agenda, the definitions, God, of the world. They're carnal, God. They're limited, God. Right now, I pray for spiritual vision, light and life over every mind and heart, God, that we would see Your redemptive purposes for the nation of Australia, God, and Her people. We thank You for what You're doing in this hour. What a joy, God, to be in this generation, to be chosen to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a different kind of people that see with Your light and Your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there is just one group of people I wanna pray for before we um, worship and close the service, literally in moments. You know, I've been talking about light and life And maybe you've come today and you've never been in a service like this. Maybe you've liked it. I hope you do. We really do aim to please. (laughs) Um, Maybe you've been before to church. Maybe you went when you were in high school, but the events of what's going on in our world have pulled you back. There's something drawing you, drawing you. I want to pray for you this morning that you'd come back to know Jesus. You know, we'd been talking about the prophet Samuel and God speaking to the people of God in the Old Testament through prophets. But it says in Hebrews 1, to our ancestors in days of old, God spoke through prophets. But now in these times, these end times that we're living in, by the way, He's speaking through His Son, Jesus. And in Jesus is the light of life. You know, without Jesus at the centre of your life, without Jesus living in you, you will live in darkness. For some, it's white collar darkness. Life looks pretty good. You're advancing up the career rungs. Two kids maybe, a house in the Shire. But without Jesus Christ, you will not have light. And I don't say that with any sense of guilt or condemnation because I've lived that. Without Him, I had no light. With Him, my whole life illuminated everything. William Wilberforce, the great slave um, emancipator, when he got saved, is like, I see colours that I never saw before. Life makes sense. The light of Christ has changed everything for me. And out of that issued His purpose. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're gonna pray a prayer. And dare I say, if you are someone in the room and you were a believer or you feel like there's a gap between you and Jesus Christ, now is not the time in history to play games with Jesus. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when, we don't know the hour, but there is many things that are shaking the world that are giving us an indication. Wake up, church. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Come back to me, draw close to me. And if that is you too, you can pray this prayer from your heart and come back to Him. If you're here today and you're doing it for the first time, as you pray this prayer with everybody in the room, He will hear you. And in one yes, you become His today. He loves you so much. Life will make sense for you. As He comes to dwell inside of you, it will light up. Dear Lord Jesus, I give You my heart. I give You my life. Come in, wash me clean, fill me with Your light, direct my life. I give myself to You. Thank You that today I've become Your child. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed. If this morning you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, in a moment I'm gonna ask for a show of hands. The reason I do that is not to embarrass you. I'm not gonna bring you out the front. In fact, it's just me and a trusted leader or two watching. I just wanna know who responded today so that I can pray a general prayer of blessing and know who it's about. So on the count of three, you said yes to Him today for the first time or you're coming back to Him today. Why don't you raise your hand just long enough for me to see. One, two, three. Why don't you give me a wave today? Thank you. I see that hand. Is there any others? I believe there's a number. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you did raise your hand, could you just give me another wave? The auditorium is hard to see and I wanna know. Why don't you just give me a little wave? Yeah, I'm just getting my life back with Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just thank You for those today that are giving their life to You, some for the first time, some coming back to You. Lord, I declare Your peace, Your light, Your life over them, God. I declare a change from today forth. And Lord, more than anything, I thank You that their eternity is sealed, that their future is sealed. Come what may, they will be with You. Lord, for the people of God in this church, let us rise to be people of light and sight in this hour. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.